So this is a very important passage. You know, in any literary work, when uh, you get to the end, you know that the end is very significant, right? The end has the power to um, affect your perception of everything that's come before. And not only that, but the last words that the main character or protagonist says in any literary work are also very important, right? So right here in this passage, we have both the last words of, the Matthew of, of, the last words of Matthew's gospel, so it's the very end of the gospel, so obviously it's going to be significant because it's the end. And also you have the last words of Jesus, the protagonist. So hugely important what Jesus is saying here. Um, and what he is saying is that he wants us, or specifically the disciples, to um, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now you might say, well... Is that supposed to apply just to the 11 disciples, or is it supposed to apply to us today? And if you're wondering that, I think we have a very clear answer because of what Jesus says at the end. He says, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And when he says to the very end of the age, he's meaning until I come again. Um, so now, obviously, the disciples weren't around till the very end of the age. And there's a good chance that even we won't be around till the very end of the age. So... Um, what Jesus is saying is that he is still with us, and this command to go and make disciples of all nations, it still applies for all of us who are his disciples. Uh, from the 11 that, that he started out with to those of us who are, who are here now. Uh, so a big part of what we are supposed to be doing in our churches is reaching out and making disciples. Part of being a disciple of Jesus is making more disciples. And specifically, what we're reaching out to people with is the message of the gospel, which is the incredible message that God has reconciled himself to the world through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that people can experience and receive that reconciliation here and now and experience its power, its transformative power in their lives in the present right now. And uh, another way of putting it, very simply put, is, is it's the message that God loves us and wants us to have a relationship with him here and now. Um, so that's the message that Jesus wants us to reach out with, outreach, outward focus. Now, I could stand up here this morning and I could talk all about what outreach means and why we should do it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but we thought it would be more interesting if we actually heard from some people who are actively doing full-time outreach ministry uh, with their lives right now. And you may know this already, but a portion of your tithes and offerings that, that you give uh, go to supporting people who are doing outreach all the time. Um, and so the speakers that we have with us this morning are speakers that, whether you realize it or not, uh, some of your tithes and offerings, offerings have gone to in order to support the work that they're doing. Uh, so my hope is that as you hear from them, you'll be inspired and encouraged, both because you'll feel like you're a part of, you know, what they're sharing. Uh, and also, uh, we don't want to just outsource our outreach, right? <laughs> we also want to do outreach ourselves. So I hope that you're inspired and encouraged as you hear from them um, that, that outreach is something that we, we can all do. And uh, some people are particularly gifted and called to do it uh, on a full-time basis. And, um, but all of us are, ca are called to do outreach in some form. So... Hopefully you're inspired as you hear from them. So we have three people uh, with us this morning uh, from ministries that we, we support. We have Scott Thompson from Crew, uh, John Allenbaugh 
from International Christian Fellowship uh, and Rob Johnson from Young Life. And so I'd like to invite Scott up first. Uh, Scott has been with Crew, formerly known as Campus Crusade for Christ, uh, for 15 years now. And I guess you get some sort of uh, recognition or award for get that. A gift. You get a gift. All right. Um, and he's been specifically on the UConn campus for seven years. And actually, uh, Scott was my boss uh, before I came to seminary. So um, let's, let's welcome him. experience him and his leadership uh, with you now. Uh, and I really do appreciate the opportunity to be with you to talk a little bit about outreach, what's at the heart of it, why we do it, how we go about doing it, and as Ryan said, hopefully we can be an encouragement to you individually, to you corporately, and also give you some ways to think about how you might be able to partner and engage with us in that. Ryan mentioned the Great Commission, and really at the heart of the Great Commission is this story of a great God, a supreme Savior, and a beautiful story. And when we think organizationally about outreach, we think about telling people about this great God, this supreme Savior, and this beautiful story we call the Gospel. Also, at the very core of the Great Commission is this idea of going going and making disciples. Jesus, I think he was specific in this. He didn't say stay and wait. He said go and make. A big part of outreach is leaving our comfort zones, crossing cultures, stepping out from the normal to go and make disciples. Now, the word outreach, and we'll put this up here, as we think about outreach, there are two ways we think about it. The first is in terms of creating awareness and meeting needs. So, and these are some things you already do. You look for ways to create awareness that you exist as a local body of Christ for people to get connected with. That's one way you can and do outreach. Another way of reaching out is by helping to meet needs in the community. Needs within your own community, needs outside of your community. That's part of outreach. Now, with Crew, we are a missionary organization. And though we value creating awareness and meeting needs, we think that God has positioned us in a unique way to look at outreach from another perspective, and that is evangelism. The actual demonstration and proclamation of the good news of Jesus so that people might have the opportunity to hear and respond. So I'm going to talk a little bit more specifically about this scary word, evangelism, which really isn't as scary as you might think. It's just telling people the story of a great God, a supreme Savior, who wants to know you. Now, when we think about evangelism, there are some things we value. What do we value? We, we value the opportunity for people to see, to hear, and I actually left this off, but I would want to in incorporate this as well, to see, to hear, and experience the good news of Jesus with an opportunity to respond. We don't want to just go around and drop these gospel bombs and leave and 
wonder what's going on. We actually want to be a part of giving people an opportunity to respond to this story. As we do outreach, as we do evangelism, how might people want to respond? So these are some of the things that we value, giving people the opportunity to respond. How do we go about it? There are three ways that we think and categorize our evangelism. Three modes, if you will. And Ryan's thinking right now, whoa, man, this is a throwback to my days with crew. Three modes of evangelism that, that we want to equip and entrust to our students. The first is what we call ministry mode. And that's where we seek to do outreach or share the gospel with people, do evangelism with people we've never met before. So to start conversations with people we have no prior relationship with. Because we don't know where they are in that spectrum of knowing or not knowing God. And God might use us through this mode of evangelism to be a part of him bringing someone to himself. Natural mode of evangelism is the, the demonstration, the proclamation of the gospel that occurs through relationships that already exist. And you all have these Co-workers, neighbors, people that you are naturally connected with, and this is an opportunity for you to do outreach to help people see, hear, and experience the good news of Jesus. The third is body mode, and this isn't like go in front of the mirror at the gym and flex and, yeah, no Jesus. What I mean here is that you, as a community of followers of Christ, are to be the good news of people, the good news of Jesus to people. That when folks who do not know the Lord enter into your community, they should be seeing, hearing, and experiencing the good news through the ways that you interact, the way that you talk, the way that you care about each other. There is a witness that comes to non-believers through how you exist as a body of Christ. So those are the ways we, we kind of categorize our evangelism. Now, as we go about doing this, it's important for us to think about and to help our students understand, well, how do I know if I've been successful or not? So we have a definition of successful evangelism or successful outreach. Taking the initiative in the power of the Holy Spirit to share Christ, leaving the results to God. Now, this is a very important definition to us because what does it do? It puts the emphasis on the fact that God is the one who actually does the work in a person's heart, not me. But it does acknowledge the fact that I have a part in taking the initiative through the power of the Spirit to share the good news of Jesus. I know that I have been successful if I have taken the initiative in the power of the Spirit to share the good news of Jesus. Whether a person responds or not is up to God. I hope that's something that's encouraging to you because sometimes we think we need to be the ones to change people's hearts. We need to be the ones who convince them into the kingdom of God. And God says, no, that's my work. You take the initiative in the power of my spirit to tell them about me. I'll take care of the rest. Backtrack with me six years. Um, one of the things we do on Friday afternoons is equip students 
to start spiritual conversations with people in the student union. And we do this on Friday afternoons. It's a good time when students aren't overwhelmed with the things that are yet to come in the week. They're a little bit more uh, in weekend mode. And so Friday afternoons, we do some training with our students and we send them out into the student union or when the, the weather's nice outside um, to try to start spiritual conversations with people with the hopes that God might do something to bring someone to himself. Six years, six years ago, Samantha was sitting in the student union and two of our students approached her. They asked her some questions and tried to engage her in spiritual conversation to see if there was a way that through their outreach, God might use them to bring her to himself. Well, that day, she was not interested. Not interested at all, so much so that when they left, they asked if they could just pray for her and she said, nope. No thanks, don't want that. Fast forward to November. My wife and I had just finished uh, a date night dinner out, came home, and there was a notification that our Facebook page had a message. And it was from Samantha. And she said, you don't know me, but six years ago, two of your students approached me in the student union to have a spiritual conversation with me. Well, last night, my roommate tried to commit suicide, and I don't know what to do. I feel like God is impressing things on my heart, but I don't know where to go, and I don't know who to talk to. And so she sent us this Facebook message, and we responded immediately. A week later, Samantha and her roommate both entrusted their lives to Christ. In God's time, through God's work, and yet two of our students were part of that because they took the initiative, took the initiative to try and reach out to this young woman. So that's one of the things that we do in terms of outreach. Equip students to go out and start spiritual conversations, to know how to respond to difficult questions, to know how to be good listeners, to begin to build relationships with people. We don't not only do this at UConn, but we seek to do this around the world. My wife and I have had the privilege of, of doing outreach or evangelism in countries in the Middle East, Central Asia, East Asia, Japan. Um, and the thing that we notice is the same, regardless of the culture we go in into, is that the hearts desire the same things. The hearts long for the same things. And our God is the God who fully meets those desires wherever we are in the world. And we want to, as an organization and individually, be a part of reaching out, sharing the good news so that people could respond. Ryan said the, the Great Commission wasn't just for the disciples, no. And it wasn't just for a specific generation. It's for each and every one of us to participate in. As an organization, we want to be a part of serving you. If there are ways in which we can come in and be a part of helping you in your outreach to support you, to build you up, to train and equip you, that's what we're here for. You partner with us in helping us reach students. Some of your money gives so, given goes to students so they can participate in certain things that train and equip them for outreach. How might we be able to give that back to you? If there are ways we can do that, please let us know. Also know, too, that our hope is that as students come to faith, that they will get plugged into places just like this. 
that they need to experience the body of Christ to be somewhere on Sunday mornings with generations of people who love and seek to serve the Lord. And so we want to send our students out to be a part of what you do here. And we also ask that in partnering with us that you would invest in the lives of those students as well. Don't just think of them as a transient community that's here and there from time to time, goes home on breaks and comes back. But you are positioned in a very unique way to bring students into your home, to care for them, to love for them. You as a local congregation, as a church, have resources that we don't have as a missionary organization to meet some of the deeper needs of people's hearts, especially when it comes to some of the most challenging things in mental health that students are experiencing these days. Let us know if there are ways that we can serve you. And know too that if there are ways that we can equip you, we want to be about doing that. And if you are ever interested in joining us on a Friday afternoon to go out into the student union, to learn a little bit about starting conversations with students with the hopes that we would see them come to faith, you are welcome to join in that with us. I also want to make um, uh, just a quick announcement. Um, thanks, Ryan, for the opportunity to do this. You as a church have been a part of a dinner that we've done for the last few, well, last nine or ten years now. Um, a dinner where we share much more about what God is doing in the hearts and lives of students. And that's one of the ways that you have invested financially in us. And I want to invite you to it again. April 1st, Saturday, April 1st, Manchester Country Club. As many of you that would like to come are welcome to come to hear about how God is working. And it is particular to how he is working through our organization. But we want it to be a time and a place where you are encouraged to know how God is at work and how he's using people like you to reach students, not only here at UConn, but around the world. Thanks. Thank you, Scott. Some of that was a throwback in a good way, for sure. Um, next up, uh, we have uh, John Allenbaugh with International Christian Fellowship. I'd like to invite John up. And uh, John has uh, with him uh, student uh, John Macaria. Did I say that right? Okay, welcome uh, John up as well, uh, who's from Kenya. And uh, John has been involved with International Christian Fellowship now for over 25 years. Thank Let's uh, welcome John. Thank you. <clears throat> um, I know many of you know what we've been involved in because we were part of this church for a number of years, and many of you don't know because you're new here. So, hi, I'm John Allenbaugh, and together with my wife, Ruth, and five to ten other volunteers, we serve the international community at the Yukon campus. Every Friday night from approximately 6.30 to 9.30 in the lower level hall of St. Mark's uh, Episcopal Church, we have an international fellowship gathering. Uh, Ruth and I have been involved in this ministry for over 25 years. By the way, Ruth sends her regrets that she's not able to be here. She's involved in the music ministry of another church. Right down the road, a couple hundred meters. Uh, ICF, for short, has as its mission to share Christ's love with internationals, students, professors, and scholars, and to equip them for effective leadership in cooperation with the local church. That's you. Um, our vision is International Christian Fellowship at UConn with the help of Christian volunteers, Christian internationals, 
and the local churches reaching out to both Christian and non-Christian internationals with fellowship, uh, with friendship programs and Christian training <clears throat> with the purpose of sharing the gospel with all internationals at UConn. Our local ICF is part of an International Students Incorporated, or ISI, an international, non-denominational, evangelical Christian missions organization dedicated to serving internationals both here in the U.S. and abroad. We currently have about 8 to 15 students, scholars, and visiting professors attending regularly. The international population at UConn is over 3,200. So you see, we have a lot of room to grow. The students that seem to be attracted to this ministry are mostly grad students who are here for one, two, three years for masters or up to six or eight years for a PhD. Scholars doing research and visiting professors who are here between a month and a year, sometimes longer. These students are the best and brightest of their respective countries. They are getting trained in the USA to become the next generation of leaders in their home countries. Leaders in politics, science, industry, business, economics, philosophy, etc. When they return, they will be highly respected for their advanced degrees and research done in the U.S. There are students at UConn from nearly every country that is currently closed to traditional Christian ministry. Um, Muslim countries, uh, communist countries, and others who uh, do not allow Christian churches or missionaries. But they're here. We don't have to learn a foreign language or move thousands of miles away or raise support. They come to us right down the street and they speak English. All we need to do is be available, be hospitable, be a friend, be helpful, be willing to invest some of our valuable time to invite an international to be a part of our lives for a season. You could be making the difference in the life of Kofi Annan, graduated from MIT, recent head of the United Nations, or King Abdullah of Jordan, graduated from Georgetown University. Or how about this one? Admiral Yamamoto, graduated from Harvard in the US Naval War College in Newport. He was mistreated while he was in this country, and he coordinated the attack on Pearl Harbor, December 7th, 1941. Just imagine if someone had brought him into their Christian home and given him some friendship and fellowship. What a difference it would have made. Or a young woman named Shi Mingzi, graduated from Harvard 2014, the daughter of the current president of China. Hundreds of other world leaders have studied and graduated from colleges and universities in the US without ever being invited into an American home, a Christian home, being shown friendship and hospitality, and the possibility of earning the privilege of sharing the gospel with them. You can make a difference. We have learned of four international Yukon alums who have served or are serving in high government positions in Turkey, Kenya, Malawi, and Central African Republic. We personally know uh, several international believers who have received their PhDs from Yukon are now professors in Switzerland, Uganda, the US, and China, as well as 
bank executive in Botswana, public health official in Ghana, and one young PhD grad who just left here about a month and a half ago to return to China to the company he founded, which is a premier drone designing and building organization. <clears throat> in the last 10 years, we've ministered to students and scholars, professors from over 28 different countries. As you can see, serving as a volunteer with ICF has exciting possibilities. It's an adventure. Um, the main avenues of service include friendship partners, um, culinary missionaries, where you would agree to prepare a portion of a meal for some hungry students uh, approximately once every quarter. Um, this would be a salad, main dish, vegetarian dish, or dessert. Occasionally, we have small groups prepare and deliver the complete meal. Uh, this effort is organized through our meals coordinator. We need administrative help. If uh, any of you have administrative and people skills, we could use a culinary missionary coordinator. Um, prayer warriors. This ministry uh, exists by prayer. God does the work. As Scott was saying, and I agree with everything he says, that goes for us too. Um, we covet your prayers. Uh, my wife sends out a monthly email prayer letter related, uh, relating the latest spiritual and material needs of the ministry. This job is impossible on a human level. It can only be successful for the power of prayer and the work of the Holy Spirit. And visit. You're welcome to come visit us any Friday night. We have a, a fellowship meal followed by worship and a Bible study time. Just don't all come at once. <laughs> uh, call ahead, contact my wife um, and to be sure we have enough food. And if you're bringing food as a culinary missionary, please stay with us and join in the, uh, the uh, activities. Uh, the slides you've been watching are kind of a mashup of the last five, eight to 10 years. And um, we have a table downstairs. We'll be downstairs afterwards. Please feel free to stop by and talk to us and find out more about this ministry. John Macharia, uh, a graduate uh, chemistry student from Kenya, will share a little bit of his personal testimony. Uh, right. Thank you, John. Uh, it's a great pleasure and an opportunity uh, to be here, and uh, I'd like to thank uh, Ryan and everybody else who has uh, oh, sorry. made this happen. I'm really grateful. Uh, as you've just heard from John, my name is John Macharia. <laughs> John Macharia. Uh, I'm from Kenya. I am a fourth-year PhD uh, student in chemistry. Uh, my specialization is in inorganic chemistry. I uh, I come from like I come from Kenya, and I uh, four years ago before I, I got the opportunity to uh, get a scholarship to come to the U.S. I really wanted uh, like I'd, I'd finished my undergrad. I was uh, really excited to explore the world, but I felt inadequate because I wanted to 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 make to to uh, my my bachelor's degrees in uh, industrial chemistry. I wanted to do further uh, to get further studies uh, to do further studies to be able to imp uh, to. Um, improve myself. So once this uh, the scholarship opportunity came, I was really excited. Uh, everybody in my family was was happy, and uh, but at the same time, I 
was a little bit uh, scared because I did not know what to expect. I was coming into a new country. It's the first time I'd been, I would be away for a, quite a long time as a, uh, alone. Uh, and it was, it was uh, a trying time then. Uh, so when I came here, uh, uh, the good thing is I've, I've been a Christian all my, all, all my life. So um, I expected and I hoped that I would uh, join an organization that would at least uh, continue to provide the spiritual nourishment that I had had from back home. So when I came to Yukon, I, I was, uh, to be frank, uh, being first of all uh, an international student and black, and uh, I was really, because uh, I, I, as, as, as black students coming to the US, you expect, you are prepared mentally for, to, to receive or to, be, to, to receive some form of prejudice. So I um, had that, and I, um, I, I, was, I, I was already, I was, I, was, I, I was trusting God to give me the grace to, to cope with whatever uh, came or whatever would come. So through International Christian Fellowship, uh, I was really happy to, uh, first of all, meet an organization that, first of all, is Christian, that, uh, number two, uh, shows the true values of, of the body of Christ, that there is neither Jew, no Greek, no Gentile, and we're all accepted. So how has ICF impacted me personally? First of all, um, ICF has been a source of uh, is, uh, has been family to me. It is, I don't know if many of you can relate, but it is not easy to be uh, a foreigner in a new country and to leave your family, especially family behind. It is really challenging sometimes. So ICF has, has, has acted as, uh, as, a, as family for me. Through people like John and so many volunteers that we have, we have been, like I have felt home away from home. Uh, number two, uh, it has been a source of support. The graduates, the graduates, the graduate studies are really intense, and many graduate students who uh, many graduate students really stick to themselves. Don't, most of them don't have time to interact. Uh, so ICF has been a source of support because through the weekly meetings we get to pray, we get to you get to interact with other graduate students, get to share different experiences, and you get to understand that we are not alone. And that has ICF personally has been my support system. Um, uh, number three, ICF has taught me about different cultures because I, um, I'm, it, it was the first time. It's, I, have, I come from a totally different culture. So uh, apart from just learning about the American culture, I have learned about the Indian culture, I've learned about uh, Korean culture, I've learned about uh, Chinese culture, and I, have, uh, I, have, I now have a broad view of how to interact with different people from these countries. Um, and lastly, uh, I had I've had the privilege. Uh, I currently have the privilege to serve as the president uh, of the organization, and this gives me an opportunity to reach out to other international students. We have apparently, uh, personally, I in my lab. I come from a lab of like 40 students, and approximately three are Christian. So I, I walk. I, I interact with people who who are Buddhists, who are. Um, who are atheists, who don't believe uh, in God. So it is an opportunity for me to reach out because the love that I, ha I have been shown uh, and, the, and, the, and the spiritual nourishment that I have been given, I can be able to give. And it's because of people like you uh, who, uh, who support us, who through kind acts, are just uh, kind act, uh, simple kind acts like just providing a simple meal who have made it possible. And I cannot have enough words to thank you and may God bless you for what you do. Thank you. Thank you, John and John.
Um, it really is amazing how much the nations are represented at a place like UConn. So I guess uh, if you wanted to, on a Friday, you could go and uh, get equipped and share your faith in the student union with Scott and company, and then you can go have dinner with uh, International Christian Fellowship. And then you can all go, go over Rob Johnston's house. <laughs> so next up, uh, we have Rob from Young Life. Uh, who also has with him a uh, student involved with Young Life and who is often at uh, St. Paul's, Nathan Kiyangyang. Um, so why don't you guys come up? All right, so hello. My name is Nathan Kiyangyang. I'm a freshman here at UConn. Uh, I am from Jacksonville, Florida, but I moved up here recently to be back with my family. Um, to me, Young Life is uh, something that isn't new to me. I did it back in high school my sophomore year uh, at the Naval Station uh, Mayport uh, with a bunch of military uh, kids. Um, it was the first time I did Young Life, I didn't know what to expect. Um, I found out that I was bobbing for stuff in pizza sauce, um, so it was really, really weird. Um, <laughs> but to me, Young Life is, I guess, a way to be weird uh, in our own ways. Um, allows us to take our masks off. Um, usually, we feel pressured to do, or just the pressure of school, family, or other things. and. Young Life just gets, uh, is a way to just relax and just have fun. Um, I know on Wednesday, uh, I got, I had duct tape all over my face and uh, I was trying to get stuff all over, it's something like that. It's, it's hard to explain. Um, but usually, I mean, for everyone that's in Young Life, uh, you usually get a different story about what Young Life is. Um, but for me, it's about taking your masks off. Um, and it's been, it's been hard, uh, especially adjusting to the Connecticut life, especially coming from Florida, uh, for instance, the weather. But, um, um, but it's good to know uh, that there are places like Young, young Life all over the, uh, the country. Uh, I'm glad that Rob's actually my Young Life leader coming from Florida as well. So, um, yeah. And um, I'm gonna be, I'm working in, I'm actually doing a leadership course where we're learning more about how we can lead and potentially be Young Life leaders. And that's something that I wanna do and that's something I feel like is why I'm here is to be uh, reaching out to people up here. So, yeah. You gave a preacher a microphone. All right, so uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm going to blow the speakers out of the place. Uh, my name is Rob Johnston, I'm the area director for Young Life uh, here at UConn. Uh, and as Nathan alluded to, uh, we moved up here, my wife and I, and our four kids, now five, uh, moved up here from Jacksonville, Florida, two and a half years ago to launch Young Life on the campus of UConn. And I was born and raised in Connecticut. We were in Jacks for 13 years, and now we're back. Um, 
long story shorter, Young Life traditionally did high school and middle school uh, outreach. That's what they existed for. Young Life and Wildlife traditionally was grades 6 through 12. And about 10 years ago, some, some wild cards at Arizona State said, hey, you know what, we need to do this in college too because there's a lot of kids who don't know Jesus here. And so unofficially, the first Young Life College started 10 years ago in Arizona State. Uh, and since, it's actually the fastest growing ministry within the umbrella of Young Life. Um, when we started two and a half years ago, there were, I think, 50 colleges doing Young Life College officially. Now there's 217. Um, so this is something that's exploding at a rapid pace, and it's, it's been amazing. And when Melissa and I moved up here two and a half years ago, we didn't know anybody. We came up here knowing exactly zero students. Um, and it's through outreach that we were able to just start talking to kids. You know, saying, hey, who are you? This is who we are. Do you know about this guy named Jesus? And most of them said, no. Most of them said, well, I grew up in church, but, you know, I didn't really learn anything. Great, you're exactly who I want to talk to. And so fast forward now where we are is we meet on Wednesday nights, which we were intentional because we knew crew met one night. We know InterVarsity went, met another night. We know RUF met another night. So we chose Wednesday night because nobody met that night. Because truly, I believe as ministries, as churches, as parachurch ministries, we need to be in collaboration with one another to reach as many people as possible. So we meet on a night where we can send our kids to other organizations, where other organizations can send their kids to us too, so we can send them out together to reach more people. There's 26,000 people here, I think, at UConn. I think Christian students account for, what, like 250 a week or something? Like, we're not, like, fighting for kids. We're fighting for souls, and that's what we do. So when Melissa and I moved up here a couple years ago, there was a verse, if you've heard me preach, you've heard me say this, uh, it's the message version, so a paraphrase of Romans 8, and it says, um, this resurrection life we have been given by God is not some timid, grave-tending life. Instead, it is adventurously expectant, greeting God each day with a childlike, what's next, Papa? That's young life. That's the spirit of young life. Nathan, you couldn't have said it better. Like, you come to club on Wednesday nights, you're like, I have no idea what we're going to do. Like, in Mayport, you were bobbing for something in pizza sauce. Like, three months ago, we're bobbing for live goldfish. Uh, like, it's, it's, you just don't know what we're going to do because that's Christianity. That's the God I know. When you meet him, it's going to be an adventure. There is nothing boring about the Christian life. And if there's something boring about your Christian life, I'm challenging you to do better. Because when you come face to face with a God that loves you and is going to send you out, guess what? It's not boring. We're called to do things. Scott, you hit the nail on the head. It's like when you get out of your comfort zone, like that's where the magic happens. When you get out of your comfort zone, when you get out of these chairs, how many people do you think when you leave this church don't know Jesus? And if the most important thing in our lives as Christian is not tell them about Jesus, we got our priorities way screwed up. So I'm just going to sit here or stand here and yell and shout and challenge you. Be a part of the communities that God has put here at UConn, whether it's crew, whether it's ICF, whether it's Young Life, whether it's InterVarsity, RUF, doesn't matter. Find somewhere, plug in, and share the gospel. The gospel's good news. How much bad news do these students at UConn receive on a weekly basis? GPA? Exam scores? Girl doesn't like a guy. Guy doesn't like a girl. All of this stuff. They're surrounded by bad news. And worse than that, they're surrounded by bad news, but you know what they don't have on top of that? They don't have hope. They're, they're living for their next grade. They're living for a piece of paper when they graduate, but they don't know Jesus. So you know what? That doesn't mean squat. I've seen stickers all over the places, you know, like, life with Jesus is better. 
and some of you might have heard me talk about this before too, and, and it's a lie. Life with Jesus isn't better because saying that indicates that there's life without Jesus. How many dead people are walking on that campus right now? Scott, God bless you. John, God bless you. John, thank you for sharing your story. But these guys, thank you for sharing your lives. Because that's what we do. Young Life, we're about sharing our lives with kids. I'm going to say two words, and I hope you get offended. Church sucks. That's the attitude of so many of those kids on campus. So at Young Life, we go to where they are and find them where they're at and climb in the gutter with them and love them. At our weekly meetings, I don't know who knows Jesus. Maybe half of the kids. But they show up every week. And I'm, I might not be the one to bring them to know Jesus, but I'm going to tell them about him every chance I get because Jesus is the most attractive thing I can offer to somebody. Why wouldn't I share that? Why wouldn't we share that? Who here in this room, if you're, a, if you're not a Christian, this question doesn't apply to you. If you're a Christian in this room and you have something in your life that's more attractive than Jesus, your perception of Jesus is skewed. If you're a Christian and you're in this room and you, and you share things that you love with people, whether it's a product you use, like I love snowboarding, and I have honestly the world's greatest snowboard. It's a niche story, 158. That thing's a freaking rocket ship. But if I tell more people about my snowboard than I tell them about Jesus, that's jacked up. I'm going to challenge you to think in your own lives over the past two weeks and how many times you have shared something with somebody else about a product that you love. No matter what it is. Past two weeks, when have you shared something with somebody about a product that you love? In the past two weeks, when have you shared Jesus? If the numbers are inflated towards the product, we need to come back to Jesus. Because it's only through him and his power, his power that we can actually reach the kids at UConn. And Scott's not enough. I'm not enough. John's not enough. And John, you hit the nail on the head. Like, the jobs that we do are humanly impossible. They're so much bigger than us. And we can't do it without the church body. Because you love so well and you give so freely of your time, of your talent, and of your treasures. And I always say to people, like, how can we pray for you? I'm like, I need four things. I need money and I need people. And I need people and I need money. That's it. And similarly, the, 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 the financial support that St. Paul's gives us has been a huge blessing. Like, we're a shoestring budget. Literally every penny we get that goes to, to feed my family. That's the razor we walk on. We have no surplus. It's literally the dollars that come in, they feed us. And we got a ton of kids. We need a lot of food. But that's what happens. Now, when I was in Jacksonville, I was on staff at a church. I was a teaching pastor and a family pastor. And I had a nice office. It was big and had couches in it. It was fun. It was boring. And I got this feeling in my soul, like, God, you're calling me to do something. What is it? Because I'm in. And I left the church office with a guaranteed paycheck to come 1,200 miles north to tell people who don't care about a Jesus they don't know. 
it's ridiculous, but it's an adventure. And it starts when we say yes to God. If you greet God each day with a child like, what's next, Papa? Like, where are you going to take me today? You're so prepared to meet the people on your path who he wants you to talk to and who he wants you to share Jesus with. We're God's plan A, and there's no plan B. So get your butts out of your seats and tell the world about Jesus, whether it's through helping us with Young Life on Wednesday nights or on a Monday Bible study or a Thursday Bible study or just coming over for dinner or Fridays afternoons with Scott. You guys meet Monday also, correct? Is your Monday night your big league meeting? Tuesday, sorry. So Tuesday nights with crew, you can go help there. They're always looking for people just to love students. ICF on their Friday night dinners, love students. We're called to do. And we're uniquely positioned 3.2 miles away from the campus of University of Connecticut where 26,000 kids have no idea who Jesus is. On behalf of these two guys, and I hope you don't mind me taking liberty to do this, I'm inviting you into all of our ministries to love kids, to care for us as missionaries. That's all I got. So I implore you, though, Get out of your seats. Love people. Share the gospel because I promise you it's the best thing they've ever heard. And sadly, it's the best thing most of them have never heard. There you go. I have to say something, Ryan. Okay. Rob and all of you, I'm one of those students. High school, 1964-65, Young Life introduced me to Christ. All right, well, thank you very much, Rob, for that, that uh, spirited word. Appreciate it. Um, and I appreciate, again, uh, all of you guys sharing. It's, uh, I think it's a, a lot for us to think about. So, um, I'd like to uh, I'd like to pray for all of you. Uh, but before I do that, I just want to say that um, we we definitely didn't have time today to talk about all of the ministries that uh, we support. Um, or all the ministries that you have uh, opportunity to potentially get involved in. So hopefully on your way in, you got a handout that's been updated recently that says, uh, talks about some of the things that um, our church is involved with. And uh, if you didn't get it, pick it up on the way out. Also, I'm sure anyone who spoke this morning would be happy to talk to you uh, after the service if you have more questions. So do not hesitate to, to seek them out. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you so much uh, for, for Scott, for John, for John, uh, for Rob and Nathan. Uh, we thank you for the ways that you've been working in them and through them, God. And uh, we thank you for uh, the ways that they've challenged us this morning. Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, to be mindful of the fact that part of being a disciple is doing what we can to uh, lead others to discipleship as well. And we recognize, God, that we cannot force somebody into the kingdom, that we cannot uh, strong-arm them or, or, or anything like that, that ultimately you are the one that must persuade. And, uh, but we can love them, Lord, and uh, we can uh, find creative ways 
to express uh, the truth that you've given us, uh, the beauty of that truth and um, the, uh, the beauty of a, a life lived um, following you. And so I pray that you give us wisdom in, in how to do that, Lord, and I pray that this morning would yield uh, new uh, partnerships, uh, new, um, new opportunities for outreach. And we pray that you would bless each one of these uh, men's ministries, uh, that you would work powerfully through them at UConn and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen.